0: With him, cannot win with him, cannot cope with him, can't do it. You
1: with
2: me. I mean, listen, we talking about practice, not a game, not a game,
3: not a game. we talking about practice.
2: Down goes crazy,
0: down goes
1: Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Maligno. With me is the squad, Adam Cahill and Josh Crocker. What up, what up? What's up, man? Hey Neil. So excited, you two. So excited. <laughs> uh as much fun as it is with these two guys
0: i can't handle the criticism on the intro man like, we didn't
2: get like, individual
1: yeah. introductions no so like, I, I had I I tra- don't, listen, I, it doesn't deserve my full josh opinion.
2: was so bad last time that i didn't want to do the see, individual i'm like i'm, I'm like let me mix it up you know maybe josh will I, play off Adam.
0: oh my god i cannot possibly do this right
2: listen listen I, As exciting as you guys are we brought a guest all right. So this is the second guest episode in a row, I believe, with a first time guest joining us too. So, you know, ah, we got to keep finding guys to bring in some flavor in the intros because you got, maybe I should just bring intro guest to replace Josh. It <laughs> might be the best move. But,
0: it's like a pinch hitter.
2: Yeah. That's my the move. <laughs> Either way, though, listen, he's a contributor at 444, 4, DLF, number five. You may have heard him on countless podcasts. If not, you're about to get familiar with him. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast, Chris Allen. What's up, man?
3: Uh, when you read it all back, that makes it sound like I do a lot when I really don't. <laughs> uh, but what's going on, fellas? I, I really appreciate y'all uh, giving me the time to sit down with everybody. And, uh, I mean, for where we're at in the off season, I mean, it's the end of June, early July. I mean, in with all of the i guess the the world around us has now played a bigger part into our little fantasy football world than we intended to so i'm hoping we actually have some football to talk about here with the next couple of months (laughs) but let's go and wrap for a little bit if we can yeah yeah we
2: we we find things we drag it out we find something um i i I do like to start off every show when we have a guest and kind of i I call it a warm-up you know it's kind of like throwing you softball pitches just to kind of start you up a little bit here um so we're just going to dig in a little bit about you, give, give everyone a little brief background on you, just in case if someone's not familiar with it, they kind of know you know what you're about. Um, I did mention all those sites that you contribute to and all the work that you're doing. Um, as far as all those places and all those things that you're doing, is there um, different focuses at each one or are you just writing fantasy football everywhere with no particular focus?
3: Uh, a little bit of everything, to be quite honest. Um, my my quote unquote home is uh, 4 for 4, and I do most of my like strategy pieces, long form research stuff, like all of that typically goes at 4 for 4, and that's uh, more or less where I got my start at. Uh, I started writing there. This will now be my third season uh, writing for 4 for 4, and I just. I originally started off just writing about weather. Uh, that's the what the FFWX portion of my Twitter handle is because that was my quote-unquote claim to fame. Uh, so most of my strategy stuff, uh, best ball work, because I'm pretty heavy into that, most of that is housed over at 444. Uh, over at Numberfire, I do some more in-season, uh, in-season pieces. So if you're looking for week-to-week pieces on maybe who you should drop. Uh, I even started doing a, a weekly weather report over at Numberfire. Uh, which, I mean, check that out if you want to. It's where I basically just look at the weather reports, like for the upcoming games, seeing there's going to be a possible impact if you should freak out or not, so on and so forth. Uh, over at Dynasty League Football, uh, me and my partner, uh, Adam Wilde, like we've been doing a podcast on our own uh, that's been like Dynasty oriented for the past couple of seasons, but we do video content over at DLF uh, that's really just answering some mailbag questions on a week to week basis, uh, what this player's value is doing trade polls, looking at that, someone's, I mean, a lot of, a lot of just the, uh, the nitty gritty when it comes to uh, dynasty league football or when it comes to just dynasty content, like in general. Right. And then, uh, finally, uh, quote unquote breaking news. Um, more or less, um, I've taken, uh, another freelance position. I'll be doing a little bit of work over at football guys. Okay. So I'll be working w- with, uh, Sigmund Bloom and the rest of those dudes over there. um, I haven't really figured out what I'm going to do over there yet. <laughs> I just uh, I just sat down with uh, Sig and uh, Joe Bryant uh, last week to take the freelance spot, uh, but that it's more of again that's more. I have a couple of projects in mind. I haven't dropped those yet. I'm I'm talking with uh, Sig about that right now, but really my uh, my interest is a lot of the strategy that goes behind fancy football and also how a lot of the different aspects that of the game that we consider to be maybe minute or even just a lot of the narratives that go into it. That's really been my, uh, I guess, my drive to, to write. So as I've kind of, you know, started digging into parts and pieces of it, I've said, hey, you know, are you interested in me writing about this more? And places have taken me on, so it's just kind of grown
2: from there. Nice, yeah, it does sound like you keep yourself busy, man. You you acted you acted like the intro was a little too much, but I think you do keep yourself pretty busy, man.
0: Um,
3: I, I try to. I try to.
2: <laughs> I think it's cool that um, when we had Justin on a couple of weeks ago, you know, his thing is like the O line and stuff. You have a, a, a focus on the weather. These are like unique things to be focused on, and they're not like. Like I, like I mentioned to Justin, they're not, like, super, um, like, popular, right? Like, things that people will super get into and sites are, you know, readily pushing so much of it. Like, it's cool that you guys are doing these, like, unique um, avenues as far as, like, these fantasy. I mean, I know you do everything, but, like, that's a cool focus to have. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of places, and th- there's not a criticism at all, but everybody has their own take on a lot of the same the same concepts, like it, should you draft uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in the third round or fourth round, or uh, they've got similar thoughts on, or at least the content is fairly similar in terms of everybody's got a ranking site, everybody's got a draft kit and all that. But I think at 444, 4, we definitely have most of that, but we also have a lot of just like niche content areas where people that have – really just started asking some of those questions in specific areas of fantasy football or just football in general, like you mentioned, Justin, and looking at O-lines. It was just, well, just go do that. I mean, if that interests you, then just keep pulling on that thread and we'll see where it goes.
2: Yeah, 444 is really cool. I've never had a bad thing to say about anyone there. Everyone has come on from 444. It's awesome. Everything from top to bottom of 444 is great, so that's really cool. Um, Also, you gave us an exclusive about this potential uh, what you're starting up here at another gig. Uh, you said you were working on an article also to me on the uh, Messenger. Can we get an exclusive on the WhatsApp?
3: Uh, so right now it's about my thoughts on how to attack the quarterback position uh, in, in 2020. Uh, a lot of it has gone into, I think, if it, I mean, anybody that like follows any of the mainstream guys, uh, J.J. Zachary uh Rich Rebo, I mean, most of those guys, they've been kind of talking about the way that the quarterback market has shifted over the past couple of seasons. And I'm really thinking in 2020, we're going to, we're going to kind of see a lot of that come to a head where that, the late round draft strategy is still i think one of the pillars of how we approach uh like drafting fantasy quarterbacks but with the way that the market has kind of shifted with with so many quarterbacks like being there in the let's say the the middle rounds now like 7 to 12 7 to 13 however you want to categorize it but a lot of the glut of those good quarterbacks are now being taken in that area and while late round strategy is still viable You're finding guys with like a lot more warts on them that uh, that you wouldn't have uh, you you that you're not as excited about as you would have been in years past. I mean, the guys like in the past where you might take a. Wait till wait for Kirk Cousins, or I mean, wait for guys that even had a little bit more upside. Like in the past, like what was it? Last season, it was Dak Prescott that was going like in the middle, middle to back end of drafts. I mean, those guys they're not going to be there anymore. So people right. are trying to talk themselves into Joe Burrow, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold. I mean, not to say these guys are bad, but it's just they don't have the same excitement as the guys that we were looking at for a late round targets. Even last year, or two, three years ago. So most of my research into this article I'm putting together has been looking at what are some of those uh, statistics that correlate year over to year that can help you put together a profile for what you should be looking for in in drafts specific to the quarterback position. And then also where you should kind of be targeting, picking up one. Like if it's going to be that mid round strategy, okay. Well, how do you build construct your team in the picks before that? Looking at opportunity costs in order to come up with an optimal strategy to build your fantasy squad.
2: Nice, that sounds super interesting, super valuable. Which site will that be on? Uh, that'll be on four for four. Four for four. All right, gotcha. Definitely gotta check that one out. Also, um, you're in the same division as my guy Adam here. Do you know that for Scott fishbowl
3: Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. So, I, so I was so hoping we'd be able to talk about that a little. Yeah, bit. I mean,
2: who's gonna be taking more notes on the other person? You think you or him?
3: Uh, probably me. I mean, I can't. Okay, I'm. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. Uh, so these past couple of seasons that I've been in the Scott Fish Bowl, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just <laughs> saying that I need to pick it up. Okay. Um, last season. Uh, last season, I drafted. Just to give you an idea of what my season looked like, I came out of. I think it was either the fourth or fifth round drafting. Ah, uh, both Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, just to give y'all an idea of how my Scott Fishbowl went in 2019. So yeah, we're gonna need to step it up in 2020, <laughs> and I'm hoping that uh, we do it. So I'm I'm trying to I'm doing mocks. Uh, I'm I'm in one of the best ball leagues uh, set up by John Bosch. So now I've got some skin in the game already, uh, and I'm I'm finding out like you know where I'm 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 mining ADP data. Uh, so I'm I'm making sure that I'm up on it. So in a week, when it's time to start drafting, it, it is on, and I'm I'm ready to roll.
2: All of that work, and now you're here, also spying on Adam, which I respect, man. Exactly, I respect. exactly. I
1: respect. That. I'm, I'm taking notes, man. We're not only in the same league, but we're drafting back to back. If oh. I remember correctly, you're drafting tenth, and I'm drafting eleventh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Memory yeah. serves. Yeah, that's uh-huh. gonna be fun.
3: Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so I'm sure after after every pick that I make. I'm going to see your pick and I'm going to be like, damn, I should have made that pick.
1: There you I, I,
3: know, I know it. Yeah.
2: Hopefully you guys don't you know, tip each other off here in the podcast, but we got to talk football. So, you know, it's just the way this thing works, man.
3: I um, know. I know. <laughs> I hope I don't give too much away.
2: Before we get into football stuff and everything else that people come here for, I did want to ask you when I asked for like questions and stuff like that. I got a lot of homebrewing stuff. But um, From people we'll get into those questions directly But just I wanted to ask you before we get any further Is that a hobby? Is it something more than that? Like I don't know the background on it
3: uh, I mean I don't know to be quite honest I've been doing I've been homebrewing For a little over 10 years now And uh, just in the past couple of years uh, I've been going to competitions And whatnot. And uh, I've gotten, I've received a few awards for some of the some of my quote unquote creations. And uh, Justin, uh, he's come over to my place, sampled my stuff. I sent him home with a couple of a couple of brews a, a few times. So it's just been to me, I still consider it a hobby. Um, absolutely. Uh, but I'm hoping at some point I, I could probably turn it into something more. I think my pipe dream is that I can retire uh, because I'm I'm an engineer uh, for like by day. But my retirement goal would be to one, own a brewery and to be able to do fantasy football. Nice. If I could retire from engineering and do those two things, I think I'd be a happy man.
2: Yeah, that'd be fire. I think most people would love that outcome. Um so hey man, that's cool. We got more questions specifically on it. So we'll we'll get further into it. But I just wanted to kind of right. get a background on it. Um mm-hmm. All right. Before so that's it for the warm-up. It sounds like it sounds like you're ready to go, man. You you get the gist of what we're doing here. Um uh-huh. now, so so communication, trust, it's everything. We know that. So it's time for some trust issues. Chris, in case you're oh. not familiar with it, this is I'm, we're gonna throw out uh, players, situations, questions—all all kinds of stuff here about football. And we want to know if you trust the situation or if you have trust issues with that. All right. Okay. And you can get as you can get as deep into it as you want, or just be simple and quick with it. It's totally up to you. Um, we'll we'll let you start with the first one since it's kind of the big news that's happened recently. So the first one is Cam Newton starting day one for the Patriots. Do you trust that, or do you have trust issues?
3: I trust that. I mean, I for the, I'll I'll happily be wrong, but I 100 percent trust it. I was not on the Jarrett Stidham hype train, not one bit. I could not believe for one second that the Patriots they might have been tanking for Trevor or any of that other stuff. I think Cam Newton, if they had if they had any qualms about his health today, like right now, they wouldn't have won. they wouldn't have signed him at all. Now, there might be some questions about his durability throughout the season. I think that is a fair question to have, but as of right now, today on June 30th. I do not think that there is any health considerations to be made regarding Cam Newton. So if we're talking about a healthy Cam Newton right now, get Jared Sinem back on the bench where he belongs, and let's have Cam Newton go out and play for the New England Patriots. I want to see it.
2: Yeah, I think we mentioned it last week. I think someone hit hit us up on Twitter and said that we mentioned Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. So it's kind of funny that it happened that quickly. But um, it's something that everyone's been talking about and, and kind of predicting. Like It just seemed like the obvious thing, right? Like everyone thought. The Patriots, if they don't roll with Stidham, you know, that they're going to have to sign someone. And Cam Newton was so obviously, like, perfect fit for this team as far as just talent-wise. Is there anyone, Adam, Josh, any of you guys disagree that Cam Newton going to start day one? Like, do you see this other outcome where it's not that case? Like, I've heard people say Hoyer, as ridiculous as that sounds, like he knows the system, he's been around, like all this stuff going on. How can Pam, Cam, you know, how can the team be well, confident in Cam knowing everything already and, you know, Sidham's still young? Like, do either one of you see a scenario where Cam Newton really isn't the starter?
0: It only, and it would involve injury. Yeah, injury. Like, yeah, right? I think Brian Hoyer is a good reason well, another good reason to never have been on the Stidham train, but I think Cam has the job until he can't do it.
2: Damn, no love for Stidham. No love, Adam. Do you have man, any love like, for this guy,
0: folks? Let this be a lesson to you about about championing these late drafted quarterbacks. Like Mason Rudolph, wasn't it? Jared Stidham, wasn't it? Please stop.
2: <laughs> Patriot fans have a right. Uh, uh, they have. A, they get a slight pass, man. Like, the Patriot fans get a slight pass on believing in late-round
0: quarterbacks. I mean, I guess. They're Tom still, Brady, they're still, Russell we got to get them it. Yeah.
2: Adam, you totally, Cam Newton from day one, we we seen you do a trade, buddy, so I don't think there's any question.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that they make this move, uh, Taco, what Chris said. Like, if there was any question of Cam Newton being able to start, I don't think they make this move. I, I, it's just not it's very unpatriot to do that um so for, for them to even sign him i think all signs point to as of now cam newton is healthy if cam newton's healthy he will be starting for the patriots in week one yeah and from there things get super interesting for fantasy in my opinion
2: for sure and it's funny because cam newton signed with the patriots it's kind of like I don't know. It's almost like this perfect storm for people who hate the Patriots because a lot of people also hate Cam Newton for uh, some reason I don't understand. Um, So it's kind of like funny, like if you hate the Patriots and you hate Cam Newton, this is like perfect. You could hate them both equally together. But it's one of those things for me, like I don't necessarily root for the Patriots, but I love Cam Newton. So now I'm like, man, I got to hope the Patriots do well because I want to see Cam Newton quiet the
0: who, do, who doesn't man. like Cam Newton? Some people just don't, man. Miserable people. Am I right,
2: Chris? Have you seen a lot of people hate on Cam Newton?
3: Oh, I mean, we were talking, what was it? Was it last season or two years ago when uh, the the mother writes the letter to the Carolina Panthers organization because they didn't like the way that, they didn't like Cam's swag. Yeah. And then when it when it permeated to the rest of the team and it was the team running out to do, you know, the dab and he made that, you know, that was the whole, the national movement, quote-unquote, that Cam started after doing the touchdowns. I mean, this whole, like, the way that he presents himself i think the the one dig i would say that uh that should be leveled at him was his criticism of the female reporter when she was talking to him about uh running routes and she had some like legitimate uh questions about it and he was digging digging on her intelligence as a reporter i think that's the only claim that you can level at him other than that he's been everything that we wanted for him as as a quarterback sure the inaccuracy issues exist but i mean he was able to make that up in spades as a better athlete on the field since he came into the league and he and he took a team that was what uh, that was highlighted by Devin Funchess, uh, Brenton Burson. Uh, was it uh, Kelvin uh, Benjamin? Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, he took most of these like no-name wide receivers. Uh, I don't know if Kelvin Benjamin on the team at the time, but he wound up taking most of these scrub wide receivers to a Super Bowl. I mean, in one of like the most in his most efficient season. So it's just, I think a lot of folks are rooting for him to fail because they just they don't like they don't think his attitude. Is a part of the game when at the same time Tom Brady can yell at his coach. Uh, you know, Brett Favre can get away with, I mean, literally anything. Aaron Rodgers can like just completely uh, say screw you to his head coach. I mean, but the, we see the same attitude portrayed in other quarterbacks. But with Cam, it's just that he's had a target on his back for the past four or five seasons, not understand it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is some stinks. Yeah.
3: I even seen, I, wanted, don't...
2: I don't know if it was pro football talk. I don't know who it was. I don't want to. I mean, it's cool to the site, but someone even said, like, oh, now the Patriots have to deal with you know Cam in the locker room. I'm Like, are they, are they kidding me? Like, come on, man! Like,
3: yeah, exactly. Was, I, I don't understand it.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Well, we have more to talk about with Cam, but before we move on, does anyone have anything else to say about Cam being the day one starter? Anything, nothing, we're good. <laughs> Unless injuries happen, everyone right now believes in Cam Newton, day one for the Patriots. Um, the next one we have here Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will both finish as top 20 wide receivers. Um, I'll let Josh start with this one.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have any reason not to believe that this would happen. Like, what I understand that Tom Brady is not going to do all of the things that Jameis did to just push game script, and you know he he may not throw the ball as far on an average attempt, but I I don't think that that means that these two wide receiver ones finish all the way outside of the top twenty. Like Tom Brady, I think is fine. They are the thing that matters, not not the quarterback.
2: Tom Brady so is I, more than good
0: enough. I'm with you, Josh.
2: Yeah. More than good enough. More than good enough. Adam, what's your feelings on this?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it. it to me it's like borderline. Uh, I think as long as, like, that offense clicks, like we like, – really the only question mark is Tom Brady actually as old as he claims he is does he actually finally fall off? All signs point to that not being the case. I mean, he somehow found the fountain of youth. So as long as he continues to play at basically the ability that he was at last year, in that offense, in a Bruce Arians offense, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to support two top twenty wide receivers. Yeah,
2: we both we all we all agree here as far as that goes. And that found a youth is actually a lot of water. Like just
1: a lot of water. <laughs> Chris. cb <laughs> like twelve juice.
2: Yeah, exactly. Chris, are you with us, man? Or are you gonna or do you have something here that you don't see it looking so good for these two?
3: Um, I mean, I guess my my only concern is how many touchdowns do you really think that they're going to be that they're going to throw like this season? Because I think that everybody is on board with the idea that the uh, the Buccaneers are now going to win a bunch of games. But how often are they going to score? I mean, if we know that their offense is good and that's fine, but their defense is now also picked up as well. So, are we really going to see a lot of those like jailbreak type situations that Jameis essentially put them into by throwing so many interceptions that forced them to pass over 600 times? Now, Tom Brady could be efficient and still get to a similar output that Jameis had offensively. I, I, I 100% agree with that. But could we just wind up seeing games where uh, they would wind up having they wind up sitting on a lead, uh, sitting on a lead because they? Ah, uh, were able to get ahead and they wind up winning that way. It's entirely possible. But on that, well, on that that same line, I mean, in order for them to have that lead, Tom Brady has to have thrown them a bunch of touchdowns. Right. And I'm looking at the the wide receivers that finished in the top 20 last season, and we're looking at guys like uh, Cortland Sutton, Stefan Diggs, John Brown. I think he finishes like wide receiver 19. Michael Gallup at wide receiver 20. I mean, so. For guys that are just as talented as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I think on the talent level, I would take I would take both of those guys ahead, and I would assume that the talent level is much greater than any of those guys that I just listed. Right. So I think it's well within the range of outcomes that both of them wind up within the top 20. For sure. Yeah, I think
2: we all agree on that too as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. If, if one, and anyone can speak up here, if if one of those two had a fall at the top 20, you guys, does everyone feel like it's Mike Evans?
1: Yeah. I, man, I think just with the type of receiver that Chris Godwin is, he can be utilized more in, like, that that short intermediate game, and honestly, if Brady's going to deteriorate in any way, I feel like it's going to be with that downfield ability, yeah. so just based on that alone, it's going to cater more to what Chris Godwin's good at. Gotcha.
2: All right, cool. All right, let's move on to the next one we have here. Uh, Mark Ingram will hold off J.K. Dobbins and finish top 12 again in 2020. Uh, Adam, you want to start this one off, man?
1: Yeah, I I put this on here because I thought it was interesting that he finished 11th in PPR last year. I don't feel like I remember that being the case, but it's just that offense is, I mean, last year from a rushing perspective. I mean, they were far and away ahead of the rest of the league. So, by all expectations, what Lamar allows that offense to become, I expect them to continue to be as efficient as they are on the ground. So then it really just becomes a question of, well, how healthy is Mark Ingram going to be? How many touches is he ultimately going to get? And if last year he could be the running back 11 on only 200 carries, I mean, that to me just... Screams of value if you can get him at like an rb2 value right so for me as long as he's healthy he's going to be one of those guys that's a must start and i think especially at the running back position and this is in like normal redraft leagues obviously where you're going to be churning through a lineup throughout the year i think you really do have to focus on players that you think when they are in your lineup are going to be able to have big spike weeks and Mark Ingram just presents that because he he is a guy who's going to catch the ball on the backfield, and he is someone who does have a ton of touchdown upside. So in individual weeks, he's going to have those spike weeks. And I think more and more, especially just personally for strategy, I'm going to be looking towards that as opposed to trying to focus on, you know, guys that are not quote-unquote injury-prone 'Cause I think you can make an injury argument for just about any running right. back these days. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mark Ingram, I mean, he he he's this guy who's like he's like proven like that he can do good and play really well no matter who was in the backfield with him. Like he's done it by himself. He's done it with Uh, All kinds of vets. When he was young, he's done it with young guys that come in. So, I mean, there's no reason why, you know, J.K. Dobbins is going to stop Mark Ingram from being good at football and and good on this team. Um, Top 12. I don't know. I mean, clearly they drafted J.K. Dobbins for a reason. And we didn't really, you know, I mean, it's a really good running offense. And there's a chance that it's not crazy. I, I would say trust issues. Um, as far as top 12 but that's not a knock on marking room to me like he could still be top 15 he could still be super you know worthy of the pick that you draft him at like i don't think it's a bad thing if he's not necessarily top 12 um, but again you guys know i i tend to side with vets a lot of times when these teams sign uh, or draft young running backs because everyone gets crazy about these rookies and you know what they did in college and how great and amazing they're going to be in their pros and while that may be fact i always stay you know Strong in my ground where I feel like They're not going to push a Mark Ingram out though They're just not going to just do that um, And you guys I know I get bashed a lot I, I agree the same thing with Marlon Mack I don't think he's just going to get pushed out um, So I, I'm, I stand firm on those things So um, yeah I think Mark Ingram will still have another another Really good season um, Josh
0: I like I like Mark Ingram this, this season I think that if he stays healthy He's probably going to be a top 15 Running back and at the same time I want J.K. Dobbins not very far behind him just because the opportunity in Baltimore is so great For that sure. JK Dobbins has upside that you're not going to get in another, a lot of other places. Yeah.
3: Chris, you agree? Uh, I have questions. Okay. I, I gotta be the voice of, well, I guess my, I have, I do have trust issues there. <laughs> so I mean, we're pretty, like, read read let, let let's, I, I'm not going to point to draft capital. I mean, in like second round draft capital, like whatever that's, that's, that's not my thing. Um, uh, but I do have questions over the fact that I mean Mark Ingram. He's coming off of a, he scored 15 touchdowns last season. I mean, if we were if we were already uh, looking at uh, giving what the the 19 touchdowns that Aaron Jones scored last season the side eye, mm-hmm. I mean, why why can't we do the same for a 30 year old running back? I mean, on a team that I mean again that did just draft like I would assume it's his direct replacement. Now, do I think that Week one, Mark Ingram was going to be the no question starter. Yes, I do believe that. Uh, but at at what point do we start to have durability concerns like regarding Mark Ingram? Considering last season, he wound up having to sit out the last couple of games like, due to an injury, and I, I don't know. I, I just I have concerns there, and that's and that's kind of where and off of and also off of a season where. He wasn't really a part of that passing game where, especially for running backs that you're going to wind up drafting in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, I mean, you would at least like them to see them have a much larger piece of that pie. I mean, Ingram only had like 7% of the of the targets of the market share like there in Baltimore. And if we're expecting more passing, maybe less rushing for Lamar, but maybe more passing, I, I would hope that Mark Ingram sees more of that. But we know that, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is the much better receiver. So where where is this workload supposed to come if we're coming if Mark Ingram is coming off of this high efficiency season if he takes any sort of step back, I mean is he going to be able to get, I guess pay off his his draft value and I, at that point I just don't know.
2: Yeah, those, those are fair I, points and, and I'm, I'm curious. So if you do have trust issues with it and you do see him regressing, how far?
3: I would say that. So if right now I. I uh, especially from a best ball standpoint, I've seen him go in the yeah the fourth fifth round or something like that. I would take him slightly after that, so okay. probably in the same tier because I think guys like. Um, Let's see if I were to if I were to put a name to it, I can't think of a name offhand to be quite honest with you. But I would say probably uh, maybe a few picks behind where his ADP is currently at, I would wind up taking there and feel a bit more comfortable about him. Gotcha. All right. So
0: you're not okay, crazy about so, the current ADP. I'm like, I'm looking at SFB ADP and I'm looking at Mark Ingram, and so if I go up, Mark Ingram or Cam Akers. Mm, I couldn't do uh, neither. Is that an option? <laughs> well, I I just think. I'm going to go Mark Ingram there. I'd take him over Mostert. I'd take him that's over fair. David Montgomery. David Johnson, probably. like, That's a I, question mark. I've got yeah, I was maybe. about to so, say,
1: now you're talking crazy, but you, you have <laughs> yeah. a there. But yeah, I see yeah, I what you're saying. Like, based on where he's being drafted right now, there's not a ton of draft capital risk.
2: Yeah, I, I think David Johnson definitely,
3: that's where you draw the line. <laughs> yeah, I think I have to draw the line there. Like, I'd much rather take the wide receivers going around him than just taking
0: him. Right. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. It's him, but I think be- that just like among running backs, like they the SFB ADP, I'm looking at has him at RB 27. I've got him, him at RB fair. 18. I think he's RB 18. I think that's fair. And that's like, apparently, I'm going to have Mark Ingram on my team this year.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it. It sounds like you're going to be our canary in the coal mine, Josh. You're going to be the one that lets us know whether this was a bad idea or a good idea. I mean, for me,
0: Kenyon Drake or Mark Ingram? Uh, Mark Uh, Ingram's opportunity taking Drake. I'm taking Drake. Yeah, I think,
1: again, like, Josh, just quit all your head, bud.
0: (laughs) Whose team provided more opportunity to running backs last year? It was not Kenyon Drake's.
2: This is true. Taking the better player, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Better player and I think better situation based upon allocation of touches.
3: Mm-hmm. Without I mean, without much behind him either. I mean, Mark Ingram literally has J.K. Dobbins there. I mean, we know that they at least still want they still could use Gus Edwards. We have no idea what they want to do. I with think Chester every sale.
1: expectation in the world should be that they're going to use Gus Edwards. I mean, this is a guy who they've given 130 carries to back to back seasons and posted over five yards per carry those are things that NFL teams actually give a shit about as much as we don't in the fantasy world. A lot of times Mm -hmm. when, when you can give a guy 130 carries and have him post over five yards per carry, they're going to continue to give him 130 carries. So that's honestly where I see the struggle with JK Dobbins getting worked in, but injuries always occur in the NFL. You know, these guys are bound to get dinged up. They're bound Mm -hmm. to, you know, have, have rookies have to get touches. So, you know, everybody's going to, Get get their share based upon just you know wear and tear of the league, but uh, I think so. But yeah, I mean, I think as far as those comparables go, Josh. uh, Yeah, we we can move on. (laughs) (laughs) I got a little too far up there. I'm telling you.
2: So there's some contention there on Mark Ingram. I like it. I like it. That that means there's going to be value or somewhere for somebody.
3: Exactly. All
2: right. Um, the last one we have here for trust issues is eating Taco Bell with no bathroom within a 20 mile radius. Chris, I think you can start. I think you can start, Chris. I think this doesn't, you know.
3: Oh no, I I could not do that in good conscience. I mean, I'm I just turned 37 years old, and I couldn't do that. Maybe if I was, you know, back in my 20s, I might be able to consider it. But no, not not these days. I couldn't do it.
1: You could have stopped at eating Taco Bell. Like that <laughs> sentence didn't need to go.
3: Oh any further. come on now! I mean, no, you haven't lived until trash. you've gone out. You've been out drinking until you know two, three o'clock in the morning, and you, and you hit up the old Bell on the way home. I mean, it, ah. it's. It's it's a it's a Every right. Everyone I know
1: always wanted to go to Taco Bell. I a, I, like, House. I will not eat there. Yeah, <laughs> it's
3: it's Taco Bell or Waffle House, pick one, man. That's
1: not true. There are it's, other options.
3: <laughs> oh man, not that late. I
1: mean, where else you gonna go?
2: <laughs> and on that note, this episode is sponsored by Taco Bell and the Nacho Grande. No,
1: <laughs> Taco Bell and Waffle House.
2: Come on. Adam Slander, you can't, see, just like Josh went too far in the Mark Ingram thing, you went too far by just Slander and Taco Bell in general. Right? that's, That's going too far, Adam. Now I want some tacos. Me too. Me too. That's the problem with talking about food. All right. Let's move off of trust and trust issues. I think we've dealt with some of our internal issues there, guys. Let's let's move on. We're going to jump over to rank them. We only have two today. Um, We're just gonna. I'm gonna. gonna, We got some names here, some players, and we just want to rank them uh, within the means of a a, a topic here. So the first one is QBs in new places. Um, We'll let Josh start with this one. So the QBs in new places. Rank them best to worst with Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, and Phillip Rivers. I repeat. Tom Brady. Okay. Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers.
0: I think Phillip Rivers has got to be worst because he's probably working with the worst wide receiver group there. And then I would go I would go to Teddy because I just don't have a lot of like high expectations, ceiling expectation for Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's gonna be just fine at distributing the ball to Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, but himself as a fantasy asset. I don't know that he's going to be great. Um, I think I just like for the durability issues, I, I think I've got to put t- Tom Brady on top of Cam Newton. He also definitely has the best wide receivers in the group. So that's another reason to put him ahead of Cam. For sure. But it would not surprise me if Cam plays like, five games and has a better points per game than tom brady on the season
2: <laughs> man how badly i want to put cam at the top of this list but <clears throat> i don't think you can do that with his weapons like it's just and, and it's crazy because like i mean how much better is he gonna make those weapons look you know how much better are these guys you know a second year into the you know somebody guys like to kill harry and all these guys like how are they gonna look who knows right but it's hard to ever put them over guys like Godwin Evans or any, anyone like that. So, um, yeah, I think Tom Brady has to go first. Camden has to go second. It's actually probably got to go in order here. I mean, just depends. Probably the, the, the real question here is Ted, Teddy Bridgewater or Philip Rivers, whether you worry about, you know, whether Teddy can actually take this role on and, and do what he's been looking to do, or if he's got these guys behind him who are going to take his job in this new offense. And then Phillip Rivers, the old man, you know, is he going to hold off the rookie? Is he I – mean, I feel confident that he will, but we'll see. So I think I actually go in the order that this is in, probably, but I might flip Rivers and Teddy Bridgewater uh, because I'm more worried and skeptical about Teddy um, over Phillip Rivers. Um,
3: Chris, got this one. Uh, I would probably, I, I would agree with you there. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go Tom Brady up front. Uh, I mean, the what they drafted and what they drafted in order to boost their offensive line, and then what they still have there offensively. Uh, I think he's got to go number one. Um, uh, Cam, pro- uh, probably take Cam like right after that. Uh, of course, uh, the better quarterback, or at least uh, of the remaining two or the remaining three, rather, uh, but do have some questions about the surrounding talent. I mean, Julie Hendelman's what like 33, 34. Uh, Nikhil Harry in his second year already questions about him being a bust. Uh, I mean, so we can we can debate that, but uh, I, I lean towards Teddy, uh, as the number three there. I'm biased. Um, I do think that in his uh, in his short starts, like when Drew Brees was down with his thumb injury, I think he showed that if it's a quick passing uh, a quick passing scheme with some RPOs like mixed in there, um, he can distribute the ball uh, fairly uh, fairly accurately and fairly well. Um, I think that the way that they, the way that I envision them using both Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson is not just using them as deep threats, but also as uh, playmakers out of the backfield. Since Curtis Samuel is a converted running back. Right. Uh, so I think there's plenty of playmaking potential there. The problem is the offensive line. Cause he goes from one of the best in the league in new Orleans to one of the worst in the league in Carolina. So that's, that's the one uh, that's the linchpin in the, in the whole thing. And then probably Phillip rivers after that, uh, I mean, both the, I mean, a mix of young and old talent like on the on the receiving core one of the best offensive lines like in the league but uh, I, I just I have some more questions about the about the talent around him than anything else. So I probably would take it in that order. Gotcha. And yeah, Adam. Before
2: I before I let you talk here, I just want to actually pose another question to you in a way here. Do you is there any situation, Adam, where you see Teddy Bridgewater or Phillip Rivers ahead of Cam Newton? I know we're excited about the Cam Newton news, and we're not excited about the offense, like broken running backs, wide receivers that were so questionable about who's the tight ends. Like, I mean, unless Cam Newton does what, we, what we've seen him do in the past and make people look a lot better than they are and just get, you know, make crazy things happen. There's a chance that Phillip Rivers or Teddy Bridgewater cannot play him. Adam, do you, would you be confident enough to put that here now on the table though?
1: No, actually I I really disagree. And and the main reason is simply just based upon Cam Newton's rushing ability. I mean, everything that Cam showed us throughout his career um, from a fantasy perspective shows us that he is going to be someone who, has a high floor week to week just based upon his consistency in, in rushing and especially rushing in the red zone. Um, I'll be interested to see if Bill Belichick tries to curb that at all. Uh, Some seem to think he will. I'm more of the thought that if it's effective, they're going to do it and it's effective. We've seen how effective it is. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to utilize cam in, in the red zone, in a rushing capacity like he has been throughout his career I think if he is, though, him and Tom Brady have very similar ceilings, uh, just based on Cam's rushing upside in comparison to what Brady can do at this age while with those weapons in a Bruce Arians offense. Um, So for me, those two guys are one and two, and they're pretty much neck and neck with Brady. Still, you've got to be more confident in him. Um, but really, I think Philip Rivers is being disrespected, if I can be honest. <laughs> I mean, last year was his worst season in the like five years, and he still finishes the QB fifteen. I mean, he's someone who's consistently year after year a low end QB one, and I, I just don't see Teddy Bridgewater becoming that. I, I just I don't I don't even think that's I think basically Philip Rivers floor is his ceiling now again this is Philip River's floor based upon what he's done historically he's obviously going to a new team but guess what Teddy Bridgewater is too I mean Teddy has just as many obstacles so really the only upside I see from Teddy bridgewater's perspective is what Josh mentioned, which is he has these fantastic weapons around him and and I think we would all probably agree that the weapons in Carolina are stronger than the weapons in Indianapolis but I don't think it's dramatically so, and I don't think that the weapons make the quarterback as much as uh, Josh would like to argue it. Um, <laughs> but we won't go down that rabbit hole. We'll just stick here, and I'll just say that I, I don't think Philip Rivers is done. And uh, I think unless that transition just goes terribly, his you know floor season is basically Teddy Bridgewater's ceiling season.
2: Gotcha. I tried to create some doubt with you for Cam, and it just didn't work. You were too upset about the disrespect for Philip Rivers. You couldn't see past it. <laughs> I understand, man. I understand. This is gonna be a fun group to watch. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. This is gonna be a a nice, fun group to see how they play out, and they're gonna be, you know, pretty important parts of fantasy. So, um, it's gonna be uh really fun to see, you know, if if we're as we all seem pretty sure about these guys in this order. So, um, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. The next uh, group I have here, this is the last rank em for today's show, is rookie running backs in 2020: uh, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, uh, Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn and JK Dobbins, who we talked a little bit about earlier. Um, who wants to take this one first? Josh, Adam?
0: I'll take it. Right, yeah, Josh, okay. okay. I, I would go I would go with Cam Akers first. I, and then Vaughn. No, I'm sorry. I missed Do- It's Dobbins first. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn, DeAndre Swift last.
2: Interesting. Interesting. You just bigged up Ingram past david johnson and it's guys the like same Drake.
0: opportunity it's, oh, i, I, I like know. them both for the same reason like if either huh. one of these guys gets the opportunity they're they're in they're golden
1: so based upon that josh and i will only say this because i'm kind of flabbergasted with the way that you ordered them but i understand <laughs> the process do you think they all have the same opportunity year one because based on the way you rank them I think you're essentially saying, best-case scenario, J.K. Dobbins is in the best offense. He will succeed the most. Cam Akers is in the second-best offense. He'll succeed. Like, that's kind of the logic that I'm piecing out. Is that where you're coming from?
0: Yeah, it's basically just the size of the opportunity in front of them.
1: I actually don't hate that. I I really don't, because I – My biggest thing, I'll be honest, I'm the one who created this list for this question. My, My biggest thing with these rookies is all, I don't know the opportunity. Like, more so than I feel like I feel with most rookies going into seasons. And I don't know if it's because of the COVID situation and we just have less training camp type information. But I really don't know with any of these four running backs going into next season, what to expect from an opportunity share standpoint?
2: Yeah, it, it, it is an interesting discussion. I mean, Chris, do you have any feelings on that as far as opportunity share with these guys?
3: Yeah, we we talked about like Dobbins, Ingram already, uh, but I'm I'm a little bit higher on Acres, I guess, out of that entire group. Ah, uh, just look at least from an opportunity standpoint. Because at least in the in the few times that we were able to see uh, Daryl Henderson like get to the field, uh, one he didn't do a lot with the touches he was given. It just didn't seem like uh, Sean McVay was really all too enthusiastic about trotting him out at any point throughout the season. Even when they knew that their season was basically over, we weren't seeing like placed in sort of a featured role. It was either him or Malcolm Brown or you know whatever that that was able that he wasn't able to really to take the role from from anybody outside of, I mean, besides Todd Gurley. So I, I guess I'm a little bit higher on Akers, at least for for 2020. Uh, I mean, just looking at, like, where they drafted him and kind of where that team is headed. Uh, I think he's the better pass catcher, and from the way that things are looking, uh, with that offensive line uh, kind of, uh, I like guess, on the downslide, um, I'm looking at the guy that can kind of catch some of those dump-offs out of the backfield, and I would take Akers over Henderson, that, at least me personally. Uh, I mean, but past that, I mean, I would think Akers would be one for me, probably Dobbins after that. Uh, I honestly would probably take uh, DeAndre Swift ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, for me, I think that on Johnson, he's had his chance. I think Swift is the better runner between the two and also the better pass catcher. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk into a, at the, uh, let's say, probably, 70 30 split at worst between him and carry on Johnson at the onset of the 2020 season and then it kind of and it slowly shifting from there to Swift like having more almost like a um, let's say like Frank Gore Devin Singletary role in Buffalo from uh, from this past season where it's almost like a 40 60 50 50 split somewhere in there at least that's the, that's the way I'm seeing it Gotcha. Uh and then after that, Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah.
2: So we. So as far as from my standpoint, I go DeAndre Swift first. And I know I mentioned earlier like mm-hmm. these veteran running backs, but on Johnson I have zero concern about. I do not care that he's there. I don't care how high everyone was on him at one point or another or up until this point. Um, I do not care at all. I think DeAndre Swift is clearly the best running back of this group in general. And I think that he's in a situation where he's going to beat whoever is there before him um, and clearly take this job. That's my opinion. I think Cam Akers is second. Because my, my issue with Cam Akers, I, I love his ability. I love everything he does. My only issue is like Malcolm Brown. Like that guy just lasts and lasts in that offense. Mm-hmm. And so he's my biggest concern. I just, I feel like they love him more than we think they love Malcolm Brown. So um, I think he's Malcolm Brown is as much of a reason why they, they let Gurley go than Cam Akers is, in my opinion. It's crazy, but that's how I feel. Um, so DeAndre Swift, Akers, Dobbins, Vaughn for me. So I think every one of us listed these different which is awesome <laughs> i love yeah. that because we did it for different reasons and, and the people listening right now are on one of every, everyone's on a different page with all of us just like we are so um this again kind of like the quarterbacks we just spoke about this group is a, a, another fun group like you you may get the guy you love earlier you have to go from earlier you may have to go from later and that's the thing with like scott fishbowl for instance or your drafts you never know who's with you on these guys like you never know if someone loves DeAndre Swift more than you or, or Cam Akers. The rookie, these rookie running backs are just uh, something else, man. It's just something else to deal with. Um, so it's it's interesting that we all give totally different answers on this. Um, Adam, do you, do you, did you say at the end of that c- argument there that you, you kind of side with him on JK Dobbins or are you still looking at this differently if you're drafted today?
1: No, uh, actually, I, I didn't even list these four in, yeah. the, in the order I would, but. I kind of am in lockstep with you, honestly. Okay. Like, I think Carryon Johnson isn't that big of a threat, if any. I think a lot of people thought Amir Abdullah was a threat to on Johnson. Like, I think Detroit's kind of sifting through these running backs looking for something to hit. And DeAndre Swift coming into this draft, I mean, to me, he, he was top three in the class. So out of this group, He was the one I liked the best, so I feel like I'd still have to stick with that. But like I said, based on opportunity costs, the other three to me are are really iffy. I'd probably put J.K. Dobbins at the top, similar to what Josh was thinking, just based upon the fact that if he gets opportunity, he's in the best offense for it. And Keyshawn Vaughn and Cam Akers, I mean, they're both in fantastic offenses as well. I think Cam Akers... Honestly, I probably like his opportunity better, um, mostly just because I I just don't know with where Keyshawn Vaughn was drafted. And honestly, just with what Tampa Bay looks to do in that Bruce Arians offense, how he's going to be utilized. So I think he's the one that I'm most unsure of.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, man, Swift, the best running back in Detroit since Javid Best, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I miss at Best, man. Wish he he didn't get injured too much. All right, um, so yeah, so rookie running backs are going to be fun. Uh, that's what we got out of that and that we all feel a little bit differently about it. And, you know, we'll see as the season gets closer, this may change, of course. Um, all right. Uh, I did ask our listeners for questions. Every time we have a guest on, I specifically ask for questions because I know a lot of, you know, the guests is, uh, the people who follow them, you know, want to participate. So I, I reach out to the, to the, to the audience for that more than ever. Um, but our listeners came through, man, they came through. Um, we asked for questions. They gave them very specific questions for Chris and then some general ones as well. Um, I want to I want to make sure we you know hit on the important ones here. We did have a tight end question when Justin was on I believe or was it last week? It may have been when Justin was on. Um, but Brad Duff at Brad Duff nine. He welcome to Twitter too. I got I finally convinced him to get on Twitter. Um, he's loving it. So he said there's a question. Um, at Brad Duff nine. Uh, he said who will be this year's Darren the Baller Waller and Mark Andrews at any position. Um, I guess take that how you want as far as how you want to interpret that question, if he means surprise or a duo at a position that maybe people didn't expect as much or however you want to look at that question. Feel free to take it however you want. But who will be this year's Darren the Baller Waller and Mark Andrews at any position? Um, Josh, what do you got on
0: this one, man? You know, like this guy is not a super deep name, but I I feel like he is he is underappreciated and it's it's Dallas Goddard. Okay, so Dallas Goddard right now is going behind guys like Jared Cook and T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant. And none of those players got the volume that he got last year. I mean, I I understand that Zach Ertz is there, but Dallas Goddard still gave fantasy owners one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tight end one weeks. Like... He's he's a legitimate starting tight end to have in some of these deeper leagues, and I feel like he just needs to be going a little bit higher.
2: Yeah, and if you're in dynasty, I mean, at, at some point you'd assume Ertz is, is going to be gone, and um, you know Goddard would definitely be the one to you know to take his spot. So I think that's that's not a bad suggestion. Um, Adam, do you have someone on your mind?
1: Yeah. So what I took this to mean is Darren Waller and Mark Andrews were guys last year that essentially could be drafted in some of the latest rounds of your draft. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are guys who are going in double-digit rounds probably in the teens of most drafts, but were able to finish at the top of their position. I, I don't know outside of the tight end position and maybe quarterback if you can have that level of upside, but it definitely happens. I mean, even a guy like DJ Chark, for instance, last year at the wide receiver position, was being drafted in those teen rounds and ended up finishing as a top five receiver. So if there was somebody that has that potential this season, for me, I think it's Preston Williams. Uh, I think his splits when he was on the field last year were just fantastic. And I think that really Devonta Parker's breakout is kind of this facade that came from Preston Williams getting injured as a rookie. I mean, this guy was dominating the targets there before he got injured. Then he gets injured. Devonta Parker takes off. I think with him getting healthy again, especially if they have this, you know, gunslinger mentality with Ryan Fitzpatrick going into this season, there's the potential that he could have some really big weeks. And and I think that he could overtake that wide receiver one position on that team.
2: For sure. Yeah, Preston Williams is a is a guy a lot of people are excited about. And that, that, that does fit into that role. And, and also, I will mention, if you listened to the podcast before you drafted last year, you would have gotten all the Darren Waller shares you needed. Right, Adam? This is true. This is true. Because you would have listened to me. And that's all that would have happened, man. Um, I think
1: I think we talked Mark Andrews, too. We, I think we, we had did. some deep holes. We had yeah, some nice deep
2: we holes. We did. We did. Um, Chris. How do you feel about this one, man? Do you got any player that, that that comes to mind? It can be a tight end, or it could be another position. He said, um, and, and any players that I guess we can kind of look at them as sleepers or guys you can get late um, that you think could have a real chance of you know just exploding in fantasy.
3: Yeah, I like looking at the tight end. Uh, to be quite honest, like nobody likes looking at like late round tight ends because like that that position turns into a wasteland after about week four, but. <laughs> Uh, in general, though, if you're looking for a late round tight end, I mean, we've a lot of the "quote unquote" late round tight ends have already been popularized. Like people are already on the Hayden Hurst uh, train. Blake Jarwin is already on the map. Uh, but one guy that I've been focusing on, I think, since midway through last season, is Janu Smith from the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, second in red zone targets, uh, j- right behind AJ Brown uh, over the over uh, over the 2019 season. Corey Davis. I don't know if anybody is still on that train and waiting for him to break out. But as of right now, it is A.J. Brown firmly in the wide receiver, one's, uh, wide receiver one spot. And then in terms of pass catchers after that, I mean, who, who else is supposed to take some of these passes from Ryan Tannehill for, I mean, Derek Henry is not involved in the passing game, or at least not enough to make a significant dent. They bring on Darrington Evans as a Deion Lewis replacement, but again, he's just a rookie. So in terms of pass catchers, who else is supposed to help? I mean, who else is supposed to suck up some of those targets? I think it could a lot of it could be Johnny Smith, especially now with the departure of Delaney Walker. He's a guy, I mean, Smith is one of those guys you can pick up in as the what tight end 14. Tight end 15 in some cases. I mean, he's going fairly late in drafts, and I think from a target standpoint perspective, he's a guy that you should be targeting because he can rack up a lot of those weekly targets and provide you a floor with a chance at getting that ceiling because, again, who else is supposed to be catching some of those red zone targets as the Titans matriculate the ball down the field?
2: Right. Yeah. He, he, he's a name we've we spoken about the last couple of weeks, and people are excited about him. Um, So he definitely is a legitimate case. Um, even if we go even deeper, a guy I like is Ian Thomas. Like Greg Olson left that spot wide open. Um, The offense, you know, the the head coach, the new head coach favors that position. He, he, you know, he uses it. Um, And he's like the next guy up. So like, why not? You know, I just feel like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he could be Teddy Bridgewater's new favorite, you know, target at this point. Um, So he's, he's another guy for some reason, like you said, everyone hates late tight ends, but I actually like them. Like I'm not mad at them. Like, I like picking them and I like getting them and, and they act when they actually, you know, play out and have some success. Um, you know, like a Darren Waller, like a Mark Andrews, and especially, you know, with us going to the Scott Fishbowl, it's a super important question, right? Um, because you know, in, in your basic leagues, your redraft leagues, you're not so deep leagues, like maybe these guys aren't relevant, but in a league like Scott Fishbowl, and Ian Thomas is possibly gonna be super relevant. Um, a Smith, uh, you know, Chris Herndon, like these guys like may be really important to some teams so um it's a it's a really important question right now obviously people will do more and more research on it as you know they get closer to the scott fishbowl draft in here but um yeah i think they're super relevant and important they probably get ignored too much in in leagues like this but i know it's not the you know most popular thing because not everybody's in the league so it tends to get ignored um but and anyone who's in tight end you know bonus leagues and stuff know that these guys are you know important in that in that, in that facet um all right, cool. So that was a good question from Brad. Uh, the next one from Dookie. <laughs> hey, Dookie sent in the question when we had Justin on, too. And I, uh, I I got on about the name. I was like, I don't know what this name means, but uh, it must mean something to him. And he actually gave me a description uh, explanation on Twitter after that. So um, it's, it's a good inside joke. And uh, Dookie shared it with me. So I appreciate him for doing that. At um, Dookie Hogue, H-O-G-U-E, if you're looking for him. He's asking, how is your
3: N-E-I-P-A going, Chris? Oh, Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about homebrewing uh, earlier and uh, New England IPAs, so the the hazy IPAs that uh, I guess has been fairly popular for the past like couple summers and whatnot. That's what I prefer to make. Um, I know a lot of folks, uh, especially those people that are into craft brew, I mean, I think IPAs are just like the traditional IPAs. Like folks are, I guess most people are tired of them, too bitter. Uh, I mean, just not what they're looking for in terms of a summer beer. And I totally understand. New England IPAs, way different. Fruity aroma, fruity flavor. I mean, that's what I prefer to make. And that's actually what I've uh, won a couple of awards for, for just coming up with recipes on my own that uh, go off of that style. So I started brewing one last Saturday. Um, I, actually have the, um, I actually have the fermenter sitting in my fridge right now, cold crashing because I want to try and clear out uh, some of the, uh, like the chunks of yeast and like the yeast sediment and uh, some hops, but I should have it kegged up uh, by this weekend. So I'll have some picks out uh, and I'll put them on my TL and let y'all see. Hopefully this batch comes out a little bit better. Uh, it's a similar recipe that I sent over to uh, Gabe, down to Gabe Gearing, uh, Mr. FF Manbun Bun himself. Um, I wasn't too happy with the aesthetic, so hopefully I... I uh, Know, i tweaked the recipe a little bit and hopefully i fixed it but uh we'll see i'll have something up for y'all to see here in a few days though nice
2: now chris i don't fancy myself a drinker so it might be disappointing to you but my guys adam and josh you're known to dibble and dabble in it you know um what nice. would you recommend to them if they never had a new england ipa like is there a recommendation
3: um let's see where are y'all from i'm based oh, out of
1: chicago and he's in oklahoma yeah.
3: yeah oh okay all right uh chicago i've been out that way um and let's see. I think uh, was it uh, Lagunitas? Uh, I think there, at least they have a brewery like in the Chicago area. Yep. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I, they have a uh, they have a hazy that's there. I forget the name of it, but check theirs out. Okay. Um, that that one's good. Oklahoma, I don't know anything out that way. <laughs> um, that's all right. One, Perfect. Uh, but
0: I, Tom, Tom. Um, we, we actually we we get Lagunitas here.
3: Okay. Uh, but I've got another one that you might be – let's see. I'm I'm holding a can here from Topps Brewery. Now, this is down in – this is in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. So it, I don't know if they, if they have anything. They distribute out your way. Uh, that might be fairly close. But this is a Topps uh, Tops IPA um, that's actually brewed with uh, Citra Galaxy and Mosaic. It will get you about to wear uh, what I'm talking about in terms of, like the fruity, aroma and flavor. Highly recommend that. So if you find anything from Tops, try and pick them up, uh, pick one of theirs up. I thought it was pretty good.
0: Nice. All right. Thanks,
3: man.
2: Nice. Not not much happens in Oklahoma, Chris. So I don't blame you for not knowing much about <laughs> what's out there. Um, it's about it's about just Josh, and that's it. So, um, yeah. The next one we have here is from at Big Willie 13. He's asking about team regression. He said, how does he spot it and which teams might be due for it this year? Um, Chris, you want to start for this? I know you've seen it on Twitter earlier, so you might have some already.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So this actually goes into the article that I was working on uh, earlier today. And um, part of the thing that one of the things that uh, I've been looking at and uh, again, you hear you probably hear and see all the, the great analysts talk about it like each year. So like J.J. Zachary and so on and so forth about just like trends across the league that are stable or that correlate year over year. And so one of the things that we can at least look at that correlates year over year uh, would be passing attempts. That's fairly stable, at least from a league-wide standpoint. Uh, efficiency, so adjusted yards per attempt, that's fairly stable year over year. Um, but things that aren't that stable that year over year are touchdowns and touchdowns ra- touchdown rate. I mean, that's fairly fluky year over year. So, if you see quarterbacks, uh, the typical, I would say, the average passing rate, let's say, is probably around like four and a half percent. So, the number of touchdowns divided by total number of passing attempts, uh, that passing rate somewhere around four, four and a half percent, like on average. So, if you see guys that are, you know, at eight percent, nine percent, I like talking to you, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that that might be cause for concern for the year afterwards. Now, in Lamar Jackson's case, he obviously has the rushing to supplement like what he does through the air. So that's a whole different discussion. But for guys that wind up hitting that high rate, so like Ryan Tannehill, I think he had a fairly high rate this past season. Mm-hmm. You might look for them to start regressing like in the in the next year. So it's it's it, so that's part of it. The other the other thing that you have to take into context is also the surrounding talent. I mean that either changes, stays the same, coaching changes, I mean whatever that will help you figure out well how does this how is this team going to operate in the se- in the upcoming season. So in a lot of the cases that I just mentioned like with Lamar Jackson really the only thing that we can expect is that all right so he's going to regress in the in the touchdown in the touchdown rate department. Okay. We can also assume that all right he's going to he might fall back in terms of the amount of rushing that he's going to do as well. But can he does it? Does he still have a QB overall QB one uh, QB one rank in his range of outcomes? I still think that answer is yes. I mean, he can still outpace the rest of the league in what he can do on the field. Right. So it's just looking at some of those metrics and finding out like what's stable year over year can at least help you from a league wide sense pick, like kind of pick out the Players that kind of are like they did more than what was expected, they did less than what was expected, and then you can kind of go from there.
2: Gotcha, yeah, that's a super good answer. I don't want to really mess with that answer because it's pretty well thought out already. Um, and, and you said you're writing on it right now, that's the article that's going on four for four soon, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, cool. that's what I've been looking at. Okay, Josh, I mean, any take on this? Yeah. I know you, I know you harassed, uh, okay. our, I know you harassed the guy for asking the question. which.
0: Well, I I knew I was gonna have to do some research. (laughs) So I pulled up like a lot of what Chris was talking about, a lot of like red zone conversion rate, um, and also expected fantasy points, and just tried to get a feel for who was really outplaying their volume. And then also I looked at like teams that played with a very favorable game script, and just from looking at all those things. I got a feeling that the 49ers and the Bills are two teams that are not as as often talked about, but I think that they will regress some next year. I think they were over efficient, played a little over their head. Like with the 49ers, also, we know that a lot of their favorable game script and other just good circumstances that they had were due to the defense, and defenses aren't that stable year to year Right. compared to a passing game. So those two teams, I think, are on the way down.
2: Those two stand out to you. Makes sense. It makes sense. Adam, do you have anything for this, or do you think these guys covered it pretty well?
0: No, I mean, they,
1: they hit on a lot of the main things that I look at, but like Chris was saying, kind of to echo that, the main things that I pay attention to for fantasy from a regression standpoint have to do with touchdown rate, uh, specifically passing touchdown rate and rushing touchdown rate. I think that touchdowns are probably the thing that are oddly both most impactful for fantasy and most difficult to predict because they tend to be the flukiest. Uh, That being stated, touchdown rate can kind of give you a little bit of an indication. I mean, there are some guys who just have a fantastic historical passing touchdown rate, like a Drew Brees, for instance. Then you have someone who really exceeded their touchdown rate expectation last year in Ryan Tannehill, who was already mentioned. Now, Lamar Jackson's a super interesting one because he had a touchdown rate well above anyone else in the league last year. But because of his, you know, he he just, he's obviously going to regress. But then because of his rushing, you don't know how much to take that regression into Effect from a fantasy perspective. Um, so for me, it's one of those things where, like, it's a piece of the puzzle, but it definitely isn't something that I try and focus on too much as far as predicting someone's regression. Right. Um, but, but then there's obviously, like, glaring examples, like Aaron Jones, that's already been mentioned, who was able to score 16 touchdowns on 230 rushing attempts. And, like, that's, that's likely not sustainable. So there's certain you know situations that are glaringly obvious but outside of those I try not to become overly predictive in regards to regression. I think one factor that no one has talked about that I think plays a lot into regression actually comes just from basic schedule strength, but I think strength of schedule is such a difficult thing to predict that it's it's not something that's going to be super intuitive to try and base your, you know, thoughts around or your own predictions around. But
2: it, I think it plays a huge factor. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into this, and I'm sure Chris's article is going to cover a lot, and everyone here has kind of already covered a lot. Um, but I hope we we answered this question. I think we did pretty. I think we did pretty well covering it. there. Can
0: I just say like one little note on the end of this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about like regression and efficiency and all this stuff, I, we shouldn't overthink it. Like when you find out that a player like Lamar Jackson on their dice, on their range of outcomes. When you find out that they have a 6, like that's that's a good dice to be rolling. Right. Even if he's not going to be a 6 maybe next year, you at least know it's a possibility. Right. A right. lot of players don't have a 6. So like don't be too shy to take a player that was super hot efficiency-wise last year. It's
2: a uh... <sighs> you can't you can't be afraid, right? You can't play afraid. At the same time, yeah. Like,
0: like draft all the Tyler Lockett, all of it, <laughs> all of it.
2: All right. Um, the next one we have here is the last question that I wanted to get on the show for sure. It's from uh, Justin. Justin, man, he sent us a question um, at Justin underscore Red How long does a typical brew take for you? And will you name an Irish red after him, Chris?
3: <laughs> of course. I love that man. <laughs> um, so a typical brew, at least for me, takes, I'll say, on average, about five hours. Um, so if you're, uh, if you're doing it, the tradition, like, and like if you're doing it, the all grain style, um, uh, let's say about an hour to get your 45 minutes or so to get your, uh, water up to, te- uh, up to temp, uh, maybe another 45 minutes for your mash, uh, maybe then another 45 minutes or so to get, uh, to transfer or to pull like your, uh, your wort from that, uh, then get your water up to boiling another hour after that. I mean, so you're already at about the four, four and a half hours Cleanup and all that. So yeah, about somewhere between five and six hours uh, for a brew. So I'll probably start in the morning around 10, 11, uh, and then I'm done around like five ish. Uh, But I know there are some guys that can go, that can when they start brewing, they are moving, man, and they can think get things done in about four hours. I haven't been able to master that yet because I'm always tinkering or, with stuff, measuring things, making sure everything's the you know the way that it should be or the way that I'm expecting it to be. Um, but yeah, about five, five, six hours.
2: Yeah, now, I, I, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't drink, but like I respect that field. Like, like you said, the way you're talking about it, I see that everyone that's in it is like super in it. You know I mean, like it's a super passionate group um i've seen people who rate you know beers people who make beers mm-hmm. people who do both like there's a lot of you know a, a lot of passionate people about it so it's you know i, lo- I, lo- I love seeing that kind of stuff
3: it's um, a very process oriented hobby yeah ver- i mean, very much like what we do for fancy football right
2: <laughs> and shout out to justin too for kind of making this episode happen to you connected this so um shout out to justin oh, yeah. for all of that um may i
1: just say i hope that uh brewing isn't process over results <laughs> Oh, no,
3: I'll
0: definitely, I mean, I drink all the results. (laughs) I'm all about the results. But it it is another thing where, like, you get results and people say, oh, you're bad at this. You know, just like fantasy football, (laughs) right? Like, you have to face the truth every damn week.
3: Exactly. And, I mean, after, I mean, a single batch of brew is typically five gallons. So, if you're bad at this, you've got five gallons of bad (laughs) beer that you're stuck with. Yeah.
2: I'm sure somebody will take it, right? Somebody don't care what no, it I'll,
3: like. I, like I said, I'll drink all of it. I mean, I'll, I'll have it. I'll have all of
2: that. <laughs> all right, awesome. I all right, heard well, through we, it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate everyone for sending in the questions, as always. We seriously are really humble about it. Um, I want to jump over to Fowler No Foul before we close out the show. Um, Fowler No Foul, for anyone new who's listening, this is you know one of my favorite parts of the show. It's that part where I think most of the listeners probably scream at the phone in agreement or disagreement with us, but uh screaming their, their answers. But uh, I'm gonna give you statements, everybody. If you agree with the statement, it's no foul. If you think there's something wrong with what I'm saying, you don't agree with it, then it's foul. All right? Um, we'll let you go first, Chris. All right? That's the guest, you know, of honor here. Um, so All the right. first one here is a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. will be a top 15 wide receiver once again. Foul or no foul? Uh, no foul. No foul. Landry was number 12 last year in PPR, I believe. So I think you can do better than that.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. No so, foul.
2: So, so that knocks Landry down a bunch, you think? Or you think they're both up there in that top 20 range?
3: I mean, I think their their ran. I mean, they both had what twenty six, twenty four percent target share in the mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns offense. I mean, that was under Freddie Kitchens. I mean, if we think it to be a little bit <laughs> more efficient with Kevin Stefanski, I mean, why not? All right. I like it. I like it. Anyone, Josh, Adam, disagree with that? Not
2: seeing uh, I a mean, revival here.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that offense supports two top twenty four wide receivers, and I think that. Jarvis Landry is just showing year after year after year that he's a guy that, for whatever reason, NFL offenses love to target. He's probably going to out-target Odell. So for me, just based upon volume alone, I think he has the greater chance to be the best wide receiver in that offense.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Josh, do you agree with that? Which side do you agree I mean, with? I, you have to pick a side, Chris that, or Adam?
0: I think that if Baker really gets off the ground, then it could happen. It could happen, but so that that exists. But I'm more um, tending to believe like Odell around wide receiver twenty.
2: Okay, but do you see Beckham so just, top fifteen then? You said what did you say?
0: It, I said I've got him at wide receiver twenty. 20 he can okay. get fifteen. That's okay. you know he has that amount of ceiling. I just don't know that I have that much faith in the Browns really getting it going. All right, so you're a foul then.
2: You and Adam are foul, right? That's what, that's what I think I'm thinking so. from this. You guys aren't too confident yes, about sir. it. I boy Chris stepped in the line there. He said, no, nah, I'm going with this one. And I'm with him.
3: I'm going to run it. I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to I'm be the dissenter.
2: Let's leave these guys behind, man. Let's leave these guys behind. All right. The next one, another wide receiver. Henry Ruggs will be the Raiders' number one wide receiver in fantasy football this season. Foul or no foul,
1: Adam. I don't know. No foul. Sure. But you got your <laughs> Raider question. And oh, uh, I don't know. They'll probably end up being like, what was that? Uh, Seattle last year that had no one go over 500 receiving yards. Is that, was that that offense? I can't recall. One of them had like six players that all had under 500 receiving yards, but yeah, sure. Rugs. Yeah.
2: Right, oh man. This, this disrespect <laughs> is disgusting. First of all,
1: do oh, you hear no, this guy? actually actually I take it back it's gonna be Hunter Renfro it's gonna be Hunter Renfro with a solid like 720 yards
2: I think DK had like 900 yards last year so I don't know what you're talking about with 500 he had a
0: hundred targets yeah this guy's crazy this guy was Landry, so he's so delirious get 500 yards
2: <laughs> this guy's nuts he just wanted to hit on rug so bad he couldn't even think straight it's true this guy's over here saying nuts stuff man Josh you on the you you can, with Renfro here or Ruggs? or someone else? The,
0: it's going to be Darren Waller. Like can we just right. please stop right, pretending right, that okay. Darren Waller did not happen? It was not I a circumstance. I thought we were talking wide receivers. This like, is wide yeah, receivers. It's Darren Waller. He, he's a <laughs> wide receiver now.
2: So listen, that's two that's two fouls. Chris, you gonna, the, you to you, the you gonna no foul
3: Disrespect one? to Foster Moreau is just so <laughs> wild right now. Like I just I can't with with either of you To be quite honest No I'm, I'm playing uh, I, I can't see it I mean if you're Okay if you are Saying the Like the wide receiver One on the team Right Sure Okay But pass catcher I can't see it gotcha. I call foul Gotcha
2: You guys are all Disrespecting Jason Witten If we're being honest
3: And um, <laughs>
2: it's not gonna let that fly So Jason I'm, I'm here for you man These guys Didn't even acknowledge you And you're the GOAT They Didn't even acknowledge you Over here all right, all right, all right. Next one. Antonio Brown will sign with an NFL team before the season starts. Foul or no foul,
0: Chris? Foul. I oh, think Josh? he's okay. done. Sorry, that's
2: cool. Step out of line. That's cool, man. Oklahoma stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> what? Go ahead. You said foul? <laughs> no, that's all I
0: had, man. That's it? Like foul?
2: All wow. these rumors floating around. You got nothing, man? Rumors. Yeah. You guys going to address like the oh, rumors? the Bucks might sign them, This, that. Brady might be, you know, banging the table for him. Anyone confident that Antonio Brown plays this season? Anybody?
3: Uh, I'm I'm confident he plays. I don't think it's going to be with the Bucs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either.
2: If he plays with the Bucks, that means Tom Brady won.
3: I, mean, I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. That yeah, means I, I, yeah, neither do I. But I think he plays. I have yeah. no issue with that. I don't think I, it's with Tampa Bay.
1: I feel like in the NFL anymore, unless it's 100% forbidden that a player plays, they're going to play. I mean, (laughs) he's going to end up somewhere. Someone is going to sign him. So it's just a matter of who and when. And I think the when is going to be the biggest question as far as if he has any fantasy relevance. Because with this weird offseason, I don't know how much preparation anyone's going to get. And I'm wary of anyone going to a new team let alone someone who didn't play last year, basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he ends up anywhere, it's going to be really iffy to uh, to judge if he has any value. I think it's yeah. kind of
2: interesting that, like, Antonio Brown was going crazy for a while. And maybe I'm not following him or something, but I haven't seen anything about Antonio Brown in a while. Like, he's now yeah, pretty he's quiet. he's
3: wisely shut up yeah. and just kept to himself.
2: Yeah. Whenever, whenever it comes to players like this, I always think of the Seahawks. So, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, that's where my money would be.
3: But um, he did get no. We Josh Gordon is going back to the Seahawks. All right. I mean, that's weed possible. is already legal out there, <laughs> so just let him go be out in Seattle, and you know, let Flash be Flash. Antonio Brown could be anywhere else.
2: <laughs> hey, give me Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. I like both guys. So.
3: Oh, hey! Now we're talking. Bring them
2: back. Bring them both back. Okay. Let's go. And then
3: let Russ uh, hand the ball off to Chris Carson thirty times a day. <laughs> exactly.
1: Hey, uh, I heard Cam Newton just went to a team that needs some wide receivers. So. Yeah. Well,
3: and, well, well. And they All right. both Can, and Cam they both,
1: Newton with Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, and Julian Edelman. Let's go.
2: And they have both been a Pat- Patriots before too. I
1: know. <laughs> right.
0: That's I'm just disappointed that you didn't say Nikhil Harry. Yeah, yeah, I was going to mention like, that. Was, I Disrespectful.
1: <laughs> M- I was leaving
2: it for Josh. I was already defending the best Jason Witten. Super
1: on that team.
2: Yeah, I was already defending Jason Witten. I knew Josh would defend to kill Harry. So, um, the last one I have here, uh, we've seen it in Major League Baseball and in the NBA. Next, an NFL player will opt out of the twenty twenty season due to all the issues we're currently facing, including, of course, Corona. Foul or no foul, Chris?
3: Uh, I say foul. I I can't see that happening.
2: NFL players are dogs. You don't see it.
3: I can't see it. I mean the. <laughs> The NFLPA, I think they're too they're too tight knit for one of them to just go off and just be like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, maybe if it's anybody you'll be like, I don't know, a backup kicker somewhere that'll <laughs> try and make a statement. But I can't see any player of note just saying that they're not gonna do it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. We've seen it happen in a lot of the major league sports. Um, Josh or Adam, you either one of you think any player is gonna pull that, like opt out of the year, too much, you know, bigger things going on, or I'm worried about their health and my family, that kind of stuff.
1: I mean, it's a big league. I think I'd kind of be shocked if there wasn't a single player. Right. And these are insane circumstances. So I think there's definitely going to be at least someone. But I think it's interesting to think that the NFL just kind of has a clamp on players so much more than any other league. Because mm-hmm. they do, man. It's It's so evident just with how little the players in the NFL speak up or... Are allowed to really show their personality i mean the whole cam newton fiasco really seems like a great example of that in a lot of ways um so yeah i, I think that it, it's probably gonna happen um but it's i'd be very surprised if it's like some big name player right. or, or something that causes a,
0: a large amount of media attention
2: so not a player of note but definitely possible yeah um yeah, josh exactly. you same way man
0: Man, if if a player does that, like I feel like you gotta support him, and then at that point, I almost feel like I would feel bad about a season Mm -hmm. if there are players doing that. Yeah, it would uh be hard for me to support a season for sure.
2: Yeah, it's it's weird right now, man. You keep hearing about sports, like basketball is gonna come back in Orlando, Major League Baseball. Like, man, I just I don't see it. Like, I just don't see it right now, man. Like, it just seems so shaky. It seems so shaky at best.
1: Yeah, the basketball ones especially weird because they're essentially having everyone go to Orlando and quarantine a certain area specifically for the NBA.
2: Yeah, which Mm -hmm.
1: to me just sounds like an insane obstacle. I mean, I think that other leagues and organizations need to take cues from the UFC. It's hard, obviously, because the UFC probably has far fewer people that they need to run a production. That being said, I mean you got to take notes from the only people who've been able to do it successfully throughout this whole thing, and and honestly, I think that what the is proposing right now just sounds like a crazy mess. Yeah, and uh, I I really I don't know what the NFL is is even proposing. Mm. I mean I think that uh, yeah at this point it it's really. Uh, it's anybody's guess. Yeah.
2: The funny thing with the UFC is they keep using these big arenas, and it's like, for what? Like, why are you guys keep doing this? <laughs> like, Right. It's so ridiculous. Like, use a room. Like, what are we doing?
0: They signed a lease, man. Uh, whatever.
2: <laughs> whatever. All right. That's it for Foul or No Foul. It was a good one. Um, I hope you guys have fun playing along, listening. The last thing we do here before we close out the show is our show and tell. Chris, you have not been prepared for this. I will allow you to go last so you have time to think. Um, and okay. show and tell, we choose any product, podcast, music, book, philosophy, advice, whatever you feel like sharing um, with the listeners. You will get a chance to, of course, share your Twitter and all that stuff. So you can wait for that. Um, but as far as like any, anything that you feel, you know, is, is prominent right now that you feel like you want to share with people to get, get them into that, um, I'll start with uh, Filthy Rich on Netflix jeffrey epstein documentary i may be late to this i don't know um but i'm only like two episodes in it's you know a ton of it is based to where i live in palm beach county so um, it was kind of like i don't want to say interesting that's not the word but you know sad uh, crazy story um obviously we know everything about jeffrey epstein but it's just you know it's really in-depth look from people who have been affected by it and everything and I, I didn't know it ran that deep here uh locally so um, definitely worth a watch if you're looking for something to binge on during your downtime uh, uh, they, they did a really good job producing this. Um, Adam, do you have anything today, man?
1: Uh, you know, there was one thing that was floating around the internet that uh, I, I've always been a big fan of, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and things that he, uh, he has done. And uh, he got a little bit of publicity, I think, unintentionally uh, this past weekend for something that I think he was filming for his HBO series, This Is America. Uh, but uh, there's a little clip floating around the internet that I highly recommend finding. It's uh, it's very silly, uh, but uh, it's Sasha Baron Cohen uh, essentially singing to I guess you would say like a right wing rally. I think that's extremely unfair. Uh, I think it was supposed to be like a militia rally actually Damn. um but nonetheless the uh the Barry Cohen character gets on stage and he's like this uh big country uh singer guy and he he basically just tries to create a sing along of some of the uh most offensive terminology currently going around uh this this particular political climate so. Uh, it, it's very hilarious and entertaining and uh, over the top. And I don't know. I, it was one of those things that I saw and I was just like, hey, great. This is just this is what the world needs right now. Just <laughs> just something to mock everything because it, it all seems so polarized.
2: Yeah, I, I haven't seen that clip yet. I did see his name or something go across my screen on Twitter,
1: but I just didn't click on it yet. But It's way too catchy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll check it out. The, um, the, the songs are way too catchy. <laughs>
2: I'll check it out for sure. Um, Josh, what what have you brought to uh the show and tell today, man?
0: So I got to tell you guys something that happened to me the other night. Okay, I'm sitting in the front of my house, and I hear just like clear as day six real loud pops, and it sounded just exactly like a gun to me. So I run to the back of the house. I am calling nine one one. I'm like hyperventilating. I get, I, the guy answers the phone. I give him my address. I tell him what happened. There's been a shooting. I am like 100% convinced that someone was just murdered. And through the, the, the course of this call, both of us figure out that it was more than likely firecrackers. And by the end of the call, I was just glad that the guy was not mad at me for calling 911. This guy here. I wonder like, how many
1: times they have to talk people down and be like,
0: Sir, uh, I believe you just haven't heard fireworks in a while. <laughs> like uh, they they <laughs> had to be like right by my house, but I was one hundred percent convinced it was a gun when I called.
2: Edibles will do that to you, man. Right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> those would definitely do that to you.
2: Some of Chris's beer might do that to you, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: some of it might. <laughs> yeah. The guy The guy on the phone was super nice, like, he was not upset at all.
2: Yeah, it, it probably was, It might have been fire from June, uh, firecrackers from uh, fireworks or whatever from Juneteenth. Um, I've been hearing them a lot that day, obviously, you know, for good reason, but since then they've still been going off a lot. So, I think people have some leftover or something, so it might have been that. Um, Chris. You see what we've been doing here, man. You see what we've been sharing. What do you yeah. have for us, man? You have something in that uh, brief period of time we gave you to prepare.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll I'll shout out a podcast that uh, that I was a part of, but I think it's poignant uh, given our current climate. Um, it's a podcast that's hosted by uh, Sam Lane, Stompy. Let's uh, say Ant Stompy, the Bear. I think is his new Twitter handle, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's the SFBA uh, champion. Uh, Also, a good buddy of mine. uh, We actually met at the uh, Midwest uh, Fantasy Football Expo last year. Um, But it's the podcast itself is called uh, Listen, a podcast. And uh, what it is, is he's bringing on uh, a number of uh, African American uh, fantasy analysts or journalists or just like people within the industry, not to talk fantasy football, but just to talk about their perspectives of being an African American and like their their life growing up in America. Um, I was the, uh, I'll say I was the guinea pig. I, I was a part of the very first episode. And since then uh, he's had a chance to sit down with uh, some of the other good folks in the industry, uh, like Ray Garvin. Uh, he's also got a chance to sit down with uh, with Marcus Grant uh, from the NFL Network. Uh, so just good conversations to have just to get uh, different perspectives uh, about living in America uh, as an African American so I would encourage folks that uh, if you're even remotely uh, if if you're conflicted about the things that are going on right now uh, just just listen I mean really that's that's the only thing before and this thing that I said on the podcast the thing I've been saying for a while before you uh, want to go out and start tweeting or retweeting or arguing with folks or like starting a debate just Take that. Take that same energy and try and listen to a different perspective. And I think this podcast is a is a part of that. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, look it up again. It's just it's called Listen uh, Colon A Podcast. Uh, by by sam uh, by sam lane so give it a listen and uh let us know what you think yeah big ups to sam for that
2: stompy um i did i did catch some of the ray episode i believe uh, when he retweeted it I, the one thing i will say too i mean obviously the whole situation sucks at this that we're at this point but it is beautiful all the good stuff that has come from it and um shout out to him for picking three awesome people too because you know obviously um we're really really cool with ray cool with marcus You're obviously here on the podcast, (laughs) so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, really good people to start with, too, um, because you guys are great representatives of everything that you guys are doing and just, you know, all out good people. So um, really good choices um, to kind of get that off the ground and and make a lot of noise with it Um, because it's really it's important. So we definitely shout that out. that's it man that's all we got I do want to say uh, Chris uh, let the listeners know where they can find you on social media um, of course we kind of mentioned all the places to consume your comp, t- content but throw that at them again just so they know in case they didn't write it
3: down in the beginning I'm sure Adams already wrote all your stuff down but um, sure, sure, let, sure. let the listeners get uh, But it. first and foremost I mean to three y'all I mean thank you so much I mean for having me on tonight I mean i I love kicking back and talking about fantasy football with the best of them. And I, I think y'all are definitely it. I mean, I've I've had a blast like coming in and sitting down and I hope I didn't uh cause too much of a ruckus uh you know <laughs> oh, with okay. with my with my takes on Mark Ingram earlier. Uh <laughs> no, but no, I, I appreciate I appreciate y'all uh for for having me on. Uh but for anybody that does wanna uh come, you know, yell at me about Mark Ingram or whatever, uh you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Like I mentioned beforehand, uh most of my work is over at four for four. But but I do contribute to a number of other sites because there's just so many good analysts out there uh, that are contributing, not just good analysts, but good people. And that's what I like to do. I like to branch out and work with as many great minds in the fantasy industry as possible. So you'll see me working with Sig. I'll actually be on the couch tomorrow with Sigmund nice. Bloom. I'm recording with him tomorrow morning. Uh, and I'm working with John Paulson over at four four four. Uh, Ken Moody, Ryan McDowell, those fellows over at uh, Dynasty League Football, just good people to work with. And I think that's what makes this industry great. It's being a part of the community, listening and learning with them. So, I mean, you can find me on Twitter and you can find me almost anywhere. I mean, at some point, I'll probably like I'm collecting uh, content sites like Thanos picking up Infinity Gems. I mean, it's just it's just what I do.
2: Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on for sure. We appreciate the kind words and, and definitely echo echo your sentiments on all that stuff. Um, definitely go follow Chris. Check him out. Uh, if you want to follow Josh for some weird reason, no, I'm just kidding. You can find Josh at where is it at? Josh.
0: J C Crocker. Okay. J
2: C Crocker on Twitter. And do you have any new content recently?
0: Not really. Not really. No. Slacking. This
2: guy's slacking, man. <laughs> Um, Now, Adam, Uh, you know, this guy is slacking. He doesn't have any new player profile articles, nothing. Um, Adam, I I let Josh say his Twitter. So I'm going to ask you to say your Twitter. And I'm not going to say it for you. Adam can be found at.
1: I'm glad you queued it up. Just like so nice for me this time. It's at the other FF guy. Perfect.
2: Perfect. You can find him at the other FF guy at JC Crocker. You can find me at clock Dodgers on Twitter, Instagram, all those good things. Um, I do. Again, I just want to make sure we shout out everyone who's been sending us in questions. Uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, people uh, shouting us out on Twitter, too. I just want to really quick acknowledge, acknowledge some of those people are Paul 47 today. I believe mentioned that he subscribed to the show. He really liked it at um, fantasy champ FFB underscore Casey gave us a lot of love on Twitter. Um, Kev says 68 on Twitter says. Um, he's been showing us a lot of love and then um i believe it was Corey jeffries pyro cory uh recently said something too. i just want to kind of acknowledge some people because i feel like i acknowledge you guys on twitter but i feel like it's not enough so anytime someone tweets at me i try my best to acknowledge you there of course but i want to you know give you guys as much love as possible and your support your retweet you just tweet now saying that you subscribe to the show and it was good or you mentioned you know us to other people or leaving reviews all those things like i can't thank you enough it's it's one of those things where like people are so quick to leave negative energy or comments or remarks, but it's not so easy on positive stuff. So when you guys do that, it means literally the world to us. Um, if you haven't already, please slap the subscribe button, drop a five star review, go follow Chris, go consume his content. He's a really good dude with amazing stuff. So go check him out. Thank you everybody for your unwavering support. We appreciate you. As always, be kind, be great, keep dodging.